0: Let's open our Bibles together to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read and preach verses 17 through 21 this morning, finishing up chapter 12. We're in a part of this letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, where he's telling them, how to live out the gospel in their lives as Christians. He's told them, you'll recall, by the mercies of God to present their bodies as a living sacrifice to God. He's told them not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of their minds. He's told them to use their gifts for the good of the body, to rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation, to be constant in prayer, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep, to live in harmony with one another by living in humility with one another and to bless their persecutors. And it's that last one about blessing our persecutors that he expands on in the verses before us this morning where he tells them and us today Not to take revenge on our enemies, but to love our enemies. Not to take revenge on our enemies, but to love our enemies. Christ loved us when we were his enemies. And now, as his friends, we are called to do the same. Not to take revenge on our enemies, but to love them for the glory of Christ Let me pray for us and then we'll look at what these verses say about that together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us when we were your enemies. While we were still sinners, you died for us. While we were your enemies, you died for us so that we might live, so that we could have eternal life. And we pray now that you would open our eyes to the meaning of these verses and also to their rightful application to our lives as believers. And we pray that you would equip us and empower us not to take revenge on our enemies, but to love them for your glory. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. This is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to take a simple approach to these verses, as you can see in your sermon notes there. We'll look first at verses 17 through 19, which say, in essence, don't take revenge on your enemies, and then we'll look at verses 20 and 21, and the call there to positively love Your enemies. Under our first point, don't take revenge on your enemies. If you're taking notes, verse 17 is about retaliation, verse 18 is about peacemaking, and verse 19 is about revenge or vengeance. Retaliation, peacemaking, vengeance. So let's look first at what verse 17 says then about retaliation. Reading verse 17 again. Repay, no one, evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That is, if someone does something evil to you, don't do something evil to them in return. Don't repay them evil for evil, for the evil they did to you. Repay them good, Paul says. Do something honorable in their sight. Don't retaliate, ingratiate. Don't respond in kind, respond in kindness. Don't try to get even, be okay for it to be uneven. Don't try to even the score, don't even keep score. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So if you're driving the speed limit, going down the highway, and a car zooms up behind you and you look in the rearview mirror and the driver's yelling at you and honking his horn angrily at you. Don't yell at him back. Don't return honking for honking. Give a little wave, get over into the other lane, let him pass. If you're at work or you're at school and a coworker or a classmate makes fun of you, in front of others, in order to get a laugh. Do not stoop to their level and do the same to them. Stay calm. Give it quietly to the Lord in prayer and then respond in kindness towards them. If you're here at church and you feel like someone's giving you the cold shoulder, do not give them the cold shoulder in return. Give them the warm shoulder of a warm welcome and a kind word. Kids, if one of your siblings steals the toy you're playing with and pushes you out of the way, don't push them back. Steal the toy back from them. Exercise self-control over your body, over your words, over your feelings. Try to work it out with patience. Go get help from mom or dad if you can't. If someone is rude to you on social media, don't be rude to them in response. Say something honorable in response, something that will be honorable in the sight of all who read that post. 1 Peter 3.9 says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Don't be like a trampoline. Evil comes down on you and you just bounce it right back. Be like a water treatment facility. What comes at you is filthy. But what you return is clean and pure. We're to be like our Savior in this. First Peter 2, 22 and 23, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So when someone does evil to us, we're to trust God, the judge, And refrain from doing evil to them in return. And instead do what is honorable in their sight and in the sight of all. Like our Savior did. Like our Savior can enable us to do. So that's about retaliation. Don't repay evil for evil. Rather do what is honorable in the sight of all. Secondly, Paul speaks about peacemaking the call to live peaceably with all. Look at verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Proverbs sixteen seven says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And I think that's what we should aim for. Live peaceably with all. Don't be cold. Be warm towards others. Don't be prickly. Be pleasant to be around. Don't be conflictual. Be charitable in your interactions with others and your assumptions about them. Don't be divisive. Encourage unity in the body of Christ, especially. Don't be argumentative. Be amenable, agreeable with your neighbors, your coworkers. Don't be difficult. And be easy to get along with. When people are around you, don't make them feel like they're walking through a field of landmines. Make them feel like they're in the comfort of their own home, sitting on their favorite couch in the family room. Live peaceably, with all Now sometimes we have to do something proactive in order to live peaceably with someone don't we Sometimes we have to make peace we have to be peacemakers we're called to strive for peace with everyone Hebrews 12:14 we're called to pursue what makes for peace Romans 14:19 we shouldn't just Passively keep the peace, we should actively make peace. We shouldn't be peacekeepers, we should be peacemakers. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. James 3, 17 and 18, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So living peaceably with someone sometimes requires making peace with them, striving for peace with them, pursuing peace with them. It requires effort. It requires initiative. It certainly also requires humility and sacrifice. But Paul gives two qualifications at the beginning of verse 18 if possible, and so far as it depends on you. If possible, if it's at all possible, we should live peaceably with all. As much as we can, given the limitations of this fallen world that we live in, we should live peaceably with all. It may not be possible in certain situations. For example, if it would require you to go against God's word in some way. You can't make peace with someone at the expense of truth. In the first half of Hebrews 12, 14 that I quoted already, we're called to strive for peace with everyone But in the second half of the verse, we're called to strive for holiness, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And if you find yourself in a situation where striving for peace would mean sacrificing holiness, then peace is not possible in that instance. If possible, we should live peaceably with all. And secondly, so far as it depends on you, you should live peaceably with all. You can't control what the other person is going to do. You're not responsible for what they do or don't do. You're responsible for what you do. And so far as it depends on you, you should seek peace. You should go as far as you can toward the other guy. You should go all the way to the edge of your circle of responsibility in the relationship. If peace isn't possible... Don't let it be because of something in you. John Murray wrote about this. This bears upon the exercise of every means within our power to maintain peace with our fellow men. The responsibility for discord must to no extent be traceable to failure on our part to do all that is compatible with holiness, truth, and right. Do all you can to live peaceably with all. And remember, as believers, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been saved by the Prince of Peace. Our hearts have been changed by the Gospel of Peace. And therefore, we have everything we need to live peaceably with all. So Paul talks about retaliation in verse 17, then peacemaking in verse 18, and thirdly, vengeance in verse 19. Look at verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Notice there's a command here and then a reason to obey the command. The command is to never avenge ourselves. Don't take revenge on your enemies, whether they're an actual enemy or just acting like an enemy. Don't take revenge on them. Leave it to the wrath of God. Don't take matters into your own hands. Leave it in God's hands. Now, never avenge yourselves does not mean never defend yourselves. You can defend yourself if you're attacked. You can defend someone else if they're attacked. That's not what's being prohibited in this verse. What's being prohibited in this verse is seeking personal revenge. Instead, we're to leave it to the wrath of God. The wrath of God as administered by the civil magistrate which Paul will go on to talk about in the next chapter. For example, verse four, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That's with respect to the civil magistrate. So we're to leave it to the wrath of God as administered by that civil magistrate or the wrath of God as administered by God himself on the cross, if the person's a believer, or the wrath of God as administered by God himself on the day of judgment, if they are an unbeliever, who does not repent and believe in Christ. That's the command, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. And then we're given a reason to obey the command. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Quoting Deuteronomy 32, 35. The reason we can leave it to the wrath of God is because he's promised that he will repay. So we shouldn't take matters into our own hands. We should leave them in God's hands. Proverbs 20, verse 22. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. So when we feel that fire of revenge burning inside us, which we've all felt to one degree or another. We can do one of two things. We can take revenge ourselves or we can leave it in the hands of God. If we leave it in the hands of God, we're pouring water on that fire and it'll go out. If we take revenge ourselves, We're pouring gasoline on the fire, and it will only make it worse. And if we make a habit of taking revenge on others, think about the relational climate that would produce, whether it's in your neighborhood or in your workplace, whether it's in your home or here in church. A habit of taking revenge on others will produce a relational climate that is cold and harsh. Whereas a habit of forgiving others will produce a climate that is warm and refreshing. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. In this verse, we're called to trust the justice of God. We're called to answer yes, the question of Genesis 18.25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? If we take vengeance into our own hands, it's sort of like having the audacity to approach the bench in the courtroom of God Almighty and take the robes off his shoulders and the gavel out of his hand and sit down in his place and execute judgment ourselves on our enemies. But we shouldn't play God. None of us should play judge of all the earth. We shouldn't try to do God's job. We shouldn't try to do what only God can do. We should realize that taking vengeance into our own hands, as tempting as that is, is ultimately a failure to trust the justice of God. John Murray again wrote Here we have what belongs to the essence of piety or godliness. The essence of ungodliness is that we presume to take the place of God, to take everything into our own hands. It is faith to commit ourselves to God, to cast all our care upon him and to vest all our interests in him. Like Jesus, we are called to entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. And even though the person who wronged us may deserve wrath... We shouldn't forget that so do we. And we who deserve wrath, but who've been delivered from wrath, shouldn't be so eager to dispense wrath on others. We should pray for our enemies, that they would repent and be forgiven as we have been. And we should trust God to keep his promise. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't take revenge on your enemies. That's our first main point. The main point of verses 17 through 19. It's not okay to take revenge on your enemies. But is it okay to harbor thoughts of revenge on your enemies? Clearly no, and Paul addresses that in verses 20 and 21, our second main point now. Love your enemies. Look at verse 20. To the contrary, quoting Proverbs 25, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse twenty is about doing good. Verse twenty one is about overcoming evil. Let's look first at verse twenty more closely about doing good. Jesus himself said in Luke six, twenty seven, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. So if our enemy's hungry, we're supposed to feed him. If our enemy's thirsty, we're supposed to give him something to drink. We're not just supposed to refrain from taking revenge on him. We're supposed to love him and do good to him in practical, concrete ways. This should certainly include praying for our enemies, praying for their repentance, for their salvation. It could include speaking a kind word to them or finding a way to serve them in some practical way. And of course, we need to be wise about how we go about that, perhaps include others. But the call here is not just to refrain from doing evil, but to engage in doing good. Why? Well, because God says to. But also because... God says, in the second half of the verse, "For by so doing you will heap burning coals on His head." A lot's been written on what does that mean? It seems to be a metaphor for God's judgment like in Psalm 140, verses 9 and 10. As for the head of those who surround me, let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into fire, into miry pits, no more to rise. So burning coals on the head, if Paul's using the metaphor in the same way, is a negative thing. That's a bad thing. And it may refer to God's judgment, to his final judgment, or it may refer to our enemy's experience of a kind of burning shame. When they do evil to us, but we do good to them, when we don't take revenge on them, they're ashamed of their words and actions, which perhaps leads them to repent. But either way, the idea is that God's gonna take care of it Either they'll repent or they'll be judged. But all of that is not up to us. So because it's not up to us, we can be free to do good to them and to trust God with the outcome. The desire for revenge, not just the act of revenge, but the desire for revenge is a cancer that will rot your bones. But there's a cure. It's not only to refrain from taking revenge on your enemies, but also to positively love your enemies. The desire for revenge is a prison. And freedom from that prison is found not just in avoiding taking revenge, but in seeking to do good to your enemy. And the effect will either be their judgment in God's justice or their repentance in God's mercy. So that's about doing good in verse 20. Verse 21 is about overcoming evil. Look at verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. if we take revenge on our enemies, if we let what they did to us fill our hearts to overflowing with thoughts of vengeance, then we've let ourselves be overcome by evil, by the evil they did to us, by the evil we want to do to them or have done to them. If we allow ourselves to keep dwelling on the evil they did to us, if we're constantly thinking about it, Growing more bitter by the minute, then we're allowing ourselves to be overcome by evil. If we repay evil for evil, we've been overcome by evil. If we repay good for evil, then we've overcome evil with good. When evil is done to us, if we do evil in return, Evil wins. But if when evil is done to us, we do good in return, good wins. Doing evil in return is not the solution. Doing evil in return just creates more problems. Doing good in return is the solution because that is how evil is overcome. And isn't this what Jesus did for us? He overcame our evil with his good. With the good of living a perfect life that we haven't lived. With the good of dying a sacrificial death on the cross to atone for our evil. And with the good of rising again from the dead, victorious over evil for all who trust in him. And it's because he overcame our evil with good that we can overcome others' evil with good. We're told not to take revenge on our enemies but to love our enemies. That's what God has done with us. Turn back to Romans 5 for just a moment as we draw to a close this morning. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11, or you can just listen or perhaps look along with someone else. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, thinking about the fact that God has loved us, his enemies. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. God didn't take revenge on us when we were his enemies, who had done so much evil to him though that's what we deserved and continue to deserve because of our sins. No, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his own son, Jesus Christ. And since we've gone from being God's enemies to being God's friends, we can be gracious and patient with our enemies. We can do good to them by the grace of God even when they do evil to us. Kids, I'm sure you've poured a can of soda into a cup before or seen someone do that and it's poured so fast and so full that it overflows and fizzes out over onto the table. God has filled our hearts with his grace. He's filled us to overflowing And he means for that grace to spill over into the lives of others, even the lives of our enemies, so that people will see his grace and be led to repentance and faith in Christ. So don't repay people evil for the evil they do to you. Repay good for evil. Live peaceably with all, as much as possible, as much as you can do. Don't take revenge. Leave it in God's hands. Do good to your enemies and overcome evil with good, like Christ did for you. By the grace of Christ, let's refrain from taking revenge on our enemies and let's love our enemies. Let's treat our enemies the way God treated us when we were his enemies. Let's do that and leave the outcome in the sovereign hands of God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for loving us when we were your enemies. Help us to love our enemies the way you call us to so clearly in these verses. We need a continual supply of your grace and strength to be able to do that. So please empower us. Help us in those moments we will face in your wise providence this week when we will have a chance to put all this into practice. Help us to remember your word and to obey your word. And even as we do so imperfectly May we point others to you and to the love and grace of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.